Welcome back to our podcast. You know the drill. In our podcast, we dive deep into the legal side of real estate. I'm your host, Yana Reynolds, a seasoned real estate attorney with years of experience helping clients navigate the complex legal landscape of property transactions. And I'm your co-host, Shanara Carter, a licensed real estate agent specializing in residential and commercial properties. Together, we'll be your guides on this journey, unraveling the legal intricacies and sharing valuable insights to empower you in your real estate endeavors. Whether you're a first-time home buyer, an experienced investor, or simply interested in understanding the legal aspects of real estate, this podcast is for you. We'll cut co- week. Well, we'll cover, and we are covering, and have covered so far <laughs> several topics from budgeting to investing, and we look forward to bringing you many, many more. Yes, that's right, Deanna. Each episode will bring you expert interviews, case studies, and practical tips to help you navigate the legal challenges and make informed decisions in this dynamic world of real estate. Okay, Shanira, let's get into it. Today, we're diving into a crucial topic that every home buyer, seller, real estate agent should know about, navigating real estate contracts. Oh, wow. Yes. Contracts, contracts, contracts. Contracts can be complex, right? And there are often traps that buyers and sellers fall into. So, Deanna, what are some of the pitfalls we should be aware of when it comes to real estate contracts? Absolutely. So first of all, let's state the obvious. A real estate contract is a legally binding agreement between a buyer and seller that outlines the terms and conditions of a property transaction. It specifies the responsibilities, obligations, and rights of both parties involved. So you know what, Shanira, you're going to help me out here. You're a real estate agent, so I know you know these answers. But if you were putting together a contract for, do you want to represent the buyer or the seller? I'm Right now in this, um, we're going to represent the buyer. Okay, let's represent yeah, let's the represent buyer. let's represent the buyer. Okay, well, you know, that's kind of a... Trick question, because both the buyer and seller are going to sign the same contract. Right. But we'll just talk about it from the perspective of a buyer. Yes. So in your experience, when it comes to a real estate contract, what is probably the most biggest thing a home buyer is concerned about when it comes to what's on the contract? It's going to be um, the line where we have our personal fixtures. I'm going to say that paragraph. Really? Yeah. I was going to guess another one. Yeah, so for sure. Um, what about the price? Or was that just a given? Well, yeah, that's a given. <laughs> so like the price is, for the most part, unless appraisal comes in low, the price is non-negotiable. So you know what price you're offering when you put the contract in, mm-hmm. whether the seller accepts it or not. But... Question. The I'm sorry. Why, I'll tell Shania. you why I said the personal fixtures because that's the gray area that can get tricky already deep mm-hmm. into the contract. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Real qu- one one quick question. I I do want you to get into the personal fixtures part, but the other big important P with it being the price. How, who comes up with the price? If you're a home buyer. And I need a contract. Where does the price come from? Not going into the appraisal stuff, just where does that come from? So how do we... So the price is already um, set, the asking price. Let's put it that way. The the asking price is already set for the most part if the property is listed. 
um, by the seller and by the listener. Sorry, Shanira, right? I have another question. I'm pretending okay. to be the home buyer that knows <laughs> absolutely nothing. So what do you mean, like, the asking price? Is there, like, a sticker on the house saying, hey, this house is 250 What do you mean by the yes. asking price? So there's a price that um, a, a listing agent helps their client come up with that is associated to that property. So... When you look up that property, it pops up online for you. You'll see that this three-bedroom, two-bath, two-and-a-half-car garage property is listed at an asking price of 249000 Okay. So I, if it says $249,000, again, this, con- this conversation is about contracts. Do I have to put $249,000 on the contract if that's the asking price? No. No, you do not. Um, So that is where your agent, and if you don't have one, I am so happy to represent you. But this is where your agent will look at the price, um, run comparables to let you know if that price is, is a low price compared to other properties, if it's priced too high, or if it's average and right on target for where that um, property should be listed at in terms of price. Okay, so back to your example. If the list price is $249,000, with the advice of my real estate agent, I may put an offer in at asking price, or I can go up or go down based on other factors? Yes, you can go up or go down based on other factors for sure. Um, Even if that is the average listing price, you still have the ability to go up or down just really depends on that situation. It's so many different variables that will determine what that price goes in at. at. And you may be someone who doesn't want to pay. I don't want to pay two forty nine. I'll pay two thirty nine. I want a deal. That's right. You got so many people who want a deal, and certain markets just do not allow for deals. It just really depends on where the market is. This, so this is a gray area kind of question. It's not a standard. This is the how much you offer. There's so many variables that go into deciding what that offer price should be. Well, thank you for that, Shanira. So one of the main components of a contract is the price. The other P you were getting into was personal property and fixtures. So just let's define what that is. So when you are going under contract, most people think of the building or the physical property or the land when they're purchasing the property. So when you're coming up with a purchase price, you're obviously thinking of the physical structure and the land included in the sale, but you should also think about the personal fixtures. Personal fixtures are things that are attached to the real estate or the improved property. So fixtures are ovens, stoves, refrigerators, electrical appliances, etc. So when you're making an offer with that purchase price, you want to take into consideration what personal fixtures are included. So Shanera, I know as a real estate attorney that sometimes there can be some confusion and some misunderstandings about what's included in the deal. So I'll pause here and let you share some things you've heard along the way about personal fixtures and contracts. So sometimes it's kind of difficult. So let's just say this. The personal fixtures portion could be um, a little difficult when you're going to put an offer in because sometimes that listing agent does not specify 
all the fixtures that are included with that property. So you have to go back and remember as the agent what was in the property to make sure nothing is missed. When you auto-populate a contract from the MLS, it'll populate with those defining factors and areas that the listing agent placed in our multiple listing service um, platform. So if it's not there, if they didn't put a refrigerator, an oven, a microwave, if they didn't put that it has an AC unit, if they didn't put that it has a sump pump, you have to go back and remember if those fixtures were included with that property. Sometimes you can go back to the pictures to get an idea, try to remember. Um, are you taking notes when you're in a property saying if it has a refrigerator? Most times you're not. You're, you're viewing several properties um, in a day at that time. And so that's why I brought that up because the price is negotiated up front, right? Like we go through our negotiation and before it's executed, that buyer knows how much they're paying for their house. Mm -hmm. So that's why I brought that part up because that's the part that gets a little gray mm -hmm. and sticky mm -hmm. if you don't remember what to put down for fixtures. And so I'll tell you guys a story. Um, so for me, I'm very particular in making sure I take time to do that. I have an assistant who helps start my offer sometimes. She definitely hasn't been in the home, right? So I have to go back and make sure because if it's not on the contract, the seller can say they're not including it, mm -hmm. right? So I have a story um, where something basic as a chandelier, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, um, and it's not, like I said, this was not my situation because I'm very particular about that and buyers sometimes remember they'll let you mm -hmm. know like hey wasn't it a sump pump in there yeah. hey did it have an AC unit because I don't see that there so when you get that contract please before you sign it look over it make sure so it doesn't come up later because sometimes you know we see a lot of things and we forget but I do have a story where um you know a buyer closed mm -hmm. and Final walkthrough, chandelier was there. Mm -hmm. Get their keys. Mm -hmm. Yay! Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Return to the home the next day, and the chandelier is gone. Oh, no. So the buyer is going bananas. It was a beautiful crystal chandelier, mm -hmm. which um, with the high ceilings mm -hmm. just offset. Uh, that area when they walked into the home and it was gone. Wow. She calls her agent freaking out. Mm -hmm. And the agent was like, wait a minute, hold on. He goes back to the contract. Chandelier wasn't there. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, there was nothing they could do. Yeah. So in those instances, when there are things that are, um, you know, and, and, and you Will the seller come in and snatch the refrigerator out because you didn't mark refrigerator on the contract? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. I don't know, right? Mm -hmm. But for those things that are definitely those things that are not standard, right? Like, um, let's say a shed. Oh, yeah. Let's say planted vegetation mm -hmm. outside the home. Um, 
you know, like those things, like just make sure. Cause what if it's a, you know, like if it's a portable shed, like, yeah. you know, that you can take with you. So just very important that you pay attention to the personal fixtures line as well. Understood. Yeah. And as a real estate attorney who sits at a closing table, um, that's when you buy your home. So some t- the final culminating event is when you sit at the closing table and you're signing the paperwork. That's your opportunity to make sure any issues are addressed. And sometimes those personal fixtures become an issue. Uh, custom drapes. Sometimes a buyer may think that the custom drapes are staying with the property, but if that wasn't requested or put on the contract, the seller will take them. Um, certain platform or elevated chairs for maybe a theater room. The buyer assumed that those theater chairs were staying with the home. Other things, uh, gazebos. I've been to closings where the buyer thought the gazebo was included. Play sets and play structures that were in the backyard. I had buyers making assumptions. So the thing is, is that when it comes to the contract, you want to make sure that the personal personal fixtures are clearly identified and that there is no confusion. Um, you know the saying, you don't want to assume because when you assume it makes very bad choices or it just leads to a very bad outcomes. Let's put it like that. So, so far, when we talk about navigating a contract, we discuss the purchase price and property, uh, personal property or personal fixtures. Um, staying with the letter P, one thing we kind of glanced over is the parties of a contract. You as a home buyer, you know who you are. So that's very simple. Your real estate agent is going to put your name as a buyer. Sometimes for the seller, it may not be very clear, but when your real estate agent is preparing the contract, he or she will use whatever information is available as to who is a seller. But don't worry, if that's not clear, your sell, your agent or your buyer's real estate agent could still put ORR, which means owner of record. And all that means is that this contract is between whoever is the owner of record. So we need to, you know, that would require your attorney or the title company to get a clear understanding of who the owner of record is. But, um, you know, sometimes you need to get that offer in and the agent isn't going to do a deep dive. It's their job to make sure that the offer is submitted to the listing agent. And it's the attorney's job and the title company's job to make sure that the owner is properly identified. So, so far, we've identified uh, the parties of the contract. We've identified the price. And then we've talked about personal fixtures. Now we need to get into something more specific when it comes to legal terminology or contingencies. So a contingency is something that needs to be completed within a certain time frame. And you, if we're talking about a home buyer, if we're talking about a home um, home buyer, if you're getting a loan or financing, we want to make sure that you have enough time to get that loan together. So there's certain wording and contingencies placed in a contract that protect you as a home buyer. In the inverse, it also protects the seller. You want to make sure that the buyer is actively submitting their loan application. You want to make sure that the buyer um, has an intent to proceed, meaning that the lender is agreeing to give the home buyer financing. You want to make sure that the appraisal 
We'll talk about appraisals in another podcast, but the short, short, the short of what an appraisal is, an appraisal is when the lender comes to the property to determine if it is worth the purchase price. The lender only wants to give the home buyer money if the property appraises out or is determined to be valued at that purchase price. But when it comes to contingencies, there are certain obligations the home buyer and seller have to do within a certain time frame. And one of the biggest ones, again, is the financing contingency. Another contingency that is very important is the inspection contingency. So, Shanera, I believe you're going to go to a property inspection today. So with an inspection contingency, most contracts allow for buy. This is if it's not as is, but an inspection contingency allows a buyer to hire a home property inspector to evaluate the property and to prepare a report. And then the buyer uses that report to negotiate with the seller any type of repairs. And the reason why it's a contingency is because the contract only gives the buyer so much time to do it. We don't want this to drag on forever. Mm-hmm. So, Shanira, just any thoughts about the inspection contingencies or anything that you think you would want to share about that? Um, so, the inspection contingency is, for me, one of the most crucial steps to the purchasing or selling um, process of your home. It is where the buyer will find out in a way that I like to position that is to say, it is very important that you hire a home inspector regardless to if it's being sold as is or not. So let me just say this, that home inspection is going to give you a blueprint of how, how well your home is functioning, um, how well it's designed. Um, try to uncover any um, any uh, problems with the home that may potentially be a nightmare for you down the road. I have people tell me all the time, um, you know, like my father knows fixes on homes. I'll just have him walk through with me or um, my uncle, he knows how to do this work. Mm-mm. You want a home inspector. You want a licensed home inspector. You want that home inspector to come from someone who is someone who has referred him, right? Not someone you just rolled through the, the yellow pages and found and you have no idea on, you know, their skill set when it comes to that. But at any rate, that part is super important. Um The contract in Illinois gives you five days. You have five days from the time the seller, because the clock starts ticking once the seller signs, not the day that you put the offer in. So you have five days, five business days from when that takes place. So you want to get your inspection in during that period. Now, in the event that for whatever reason, due to both parties, that cannot be done, then your amazing attorney will send in for an extension, an addendum to extend that contingency period to give you the due diligence to do your homework to know if this is the home for you. Absolutely. So one another thing to consider is, especially if you're in a state that uses an attorney, make sure you have one um, lined up because once that contract comes in, 
you want to make sure it gets to the attorney as soon as possible. Because um, in addition to preserving those contingencies and making sure that those deadlines are not missed, your attorney has the right to review your contract and to make any changes other than those related to the purchase price. So when we're talking about navigating a contract, just to jump to the end, you as a home buyer or even as a, a seller will end up signing the contract before an attorney has reviewed it. So in particular in Illinois, your attorney has up to five business days to make any modifications or changes to the contract. Um, we cannot change price, so those things cannot be changed. So you can't put an offer in for $249 and get an attorney and say, I want one, it's, I want 180 now. Or you can't be the seller and say $249 and you want it for $300. So you cannot change the price. So when talking about contingency, so far we talked about an inspection contingency. We've discussed some of the financing contingencies as well as an appraisal contingency. There are other um, less common contingencies, but that may be useful for you as a home buyer or home seller to know. And that might be a home sale contingency. So let's say you're a home buyer and you are looking to upgrade or even downgrade your home, but you want it contingent on you selling your current home first. You can put a contingency in and say, hey, I want to buy this house, but I will only be able to buy this house if my current house sells first. So that's another type of contingency. So let's recap. We're talking about navigating a real estate contract. We discussed the parties of a contract. We've discussed the purchase price. We've discussed different types of contingencies. One of the most important pieces of advice we can give you is that when it comes to any legal document, time is of the essence, meaning that there are deadlines that both the buyer and the seller have to adhere to. If you are a home buyer or a seller, you're not writing the contract. Your licensed real estate agent will have a contract, and if you have a good agent like Shanera, they'll know what it says. If you have a bad real estate agent, they'll be lost. But I know everyone listening to this podcast who's a real estate agent is a great one. Yes. So word up. Read, read the real estate contract. Sit down with an attorney. Make sure you understand so you can explain it to your clients. Absolutely. You know, develop a relationship because you as a real estate agent should not be put in a situation where you're doing legal work. So just little <laughs> word of advice for a real estate agent. But time of the essence means is that everyone has certain deadlines that they must meet so that they're not in breach of contract. So, Shanira, this has been a very high-level overview of navigating a real estate contract. There's a lot of different factors that can come into play. So there's other contingencies I didn't get into, like a survey contingency, meaning you can make sure that your property is, is you know, the appropriate acreage and size there's title contingencies, making sure that there is no outstanding liens or debts on the property. There's other contingencies related to verifying homeowner association or condo association documents. Piece of advice is make sure that when you sign the contract, be it buyer or seller, that there is a provision there to have an attorney review it after you're signing it in case there needs to be modifications. So, you're not required to be a lawyer, but you're required to identify and find one. 
And if you're not in, in a non-attorney state, make sure your title company you're working with has an attorney who's looking out for your legal interests. And if they do not, hire one for yourself. This is a big investment. A real estate contract is a legal document. I could go on about this forever, but I won't. So, Shanair, I'm going to let you give your final thoughts before we end today's topic. So, yes, the the real estate contract is the crucial piece. The good thing is in most states, like in the state of Illinois, there are um, it's already defined and, and written out for you to protect both sides for the most part. Um, it's just when you do not adhere to those contractual dates and timelines where things can get a or little... Or understand. Or even People understand. just don't understand. Them. Right. And so that's why um, and your agent, the agent knows the contract, but the attorney, <laughs> the attorney is the one who is going to fight on your behalf to protect you when it comes to that contract. Because like we said, it's a legal binding contract. And if you do not adhere to your contractual obligations, you could be, what What? What do we all not want, Deanna? You can be what? Be in breach of contract. And when you're in breach of contract, what can happen? Liable for a legal suit. Okay. So <laughs> that is the one thing we all want to avoid. We do not want any legal suits um, when it could have been avoided. So just do your due diligence. It's like, why do I have to pay attorney? I've been asked that a thousand times. Why do I have to pay an attorney? Because I need the attorney to protect you. I need you to be protected. For me, it's about protecting all parties. Um, in 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 a real estate contract situation. So, please understand the contract. And if you don't understand the contract, please get someone to help you understand the contract, what that means, what your rights are, and to help you navigate that process. It's already real estate transactions can be, and I and I'll say this, and I say it all the time to my like my buyers, especially my buyers. It can be uh, equivalent to getting married. Um, it can be equivalent to having a kid or trying to have a child, right? It can be equivalent to uh, those major, it's, it's, it's a major accomplishment. It's a major accomplishment. It's a major step. So I congratulate anyone who's taken the first steps to start this process. So when you get to the point where it's time and you're ready to put in an offer, it should be celebrated. But it should be celebrated with with minimal problems and stress as possible. Mm -hmm. So if you have all those things in place that we're talking about, you can try to eliminate some of that stress and, and it could be a win for everybody. So that's my that's my ending note. I love on it. That. That's good. Well, I think we have covered just the surface when it comes to navigating real estate contracts. Stay tuned for future episodes where we go into even a deeper dive. And in a couple of months out, we have a special segment for you about commercial real estate contracts. So for those Ooh. who want to do investment property <laughs> or even do any retail spaces, we have a segment or rather episode just for you all in coming months. But again, I have been Deanna Reynolds, a real estate attorney, and I have been one of your hosts, and she has been. And I am Shanara Carter, your co-host, a real estate broker, and we are here to bring you the tea on how to navigate through this amazing world of real estate. I know that's right. You'll hear from us soon. Bye. Have a good day.
day <laughs> or night or whenever or you're listening night. to this. Just be good. Be good. All right. Have a good one. See you on the next podcast. Bye.